hey, hey, everybody. It's another episode of Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. And I'm Danny. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week, my bloody Valentine. Happy fucking Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, to yours and yours alone, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, it might just be you and some NBP. We don't know. You're the real MVP. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. We've uh, we've never took the time to like acknowledge this holiday on the podcast before. But there was a movie we hadn't covered yet. There was two movies we hadn't covered yet. <laughs> one being a remake. We haven't watched both of them. We watched the first one. My Bloody Valentine this week. Before we get into all that, we're here to get stoned first off. And to do that, we got to get to our green hits. Danny, what is this jade that I'm about to relight while you explain to people what it is? Right, so I decided to venture off the old beaten path, and I went to a different dispensary here in town. So from the lovely folks over at Mile High Cannabis, I brought you a pre-rolled joint of academics. Now, I had to call them up. Not necessarily had to, but I decided to call them up to try to find out some lineage. Because if you look it up online, all it's going to do is give you some academics about stuff non-related to marijuana. So with that being said, the information I pulled from them, unfortunately their main grower wasn't in town or in shop, but I did get some information that this is a cheese cross of sorts. So Mm. whenever I do figure out what exactly it is, I'll bring some more information. But the numbers on this, it is 19.10%. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that particular strain is a hybrid. And um, I did have one... Other joint I had over the weekend, so I did get to try it. And uh, not bad. It's pretty decent, kind of middle of the road high, so mm-hmm. to speak. But, um, yeah, I wish I had a little bit more info on it. I mean, that's just going to be the name of the game today. I only have very little info on what I brought you. I got one of the very last pre-roll packs over at Flower before they ran out today because shit has been scarce since Rex Man. started sometimes. Yeah, that's okay. So I brought some anniversary cake, which I think I like very quickly mentioned on some other episode. I don't know where the anniversary comes from. I'm going to guess the cake is from Wedding Cake, which is also known as Triangle Mints number 23, I think, which is a Triangle Kush and Animal Mints cross. But I don't know where the anniversary necessarily comes from. So (laughs) what I have is that it's going to be an Indica Dominant Hybrid. And I actually, I didn't have uh, some J's of it, but... I had just like some random flour lying around that I've been kind of chiefing on a little bit through the weekend. And I've liked it. It's nice. fine. It's not the not the heaviest indica I've ever smoked, so That's okay. Um and it's coming in at just a touch over twenty four percent for the THC. So nice. I'm glad that all these places are out because it means that it's all doing well, but I am pissed that they are out when I go there. <laughs> I know, they should know better. No, I didn't but <laughs> For the same reasons, is like, yeah, it's good to see that people are contributing and participating. Unfortunately for us, yeah, it's out when we need it. Motherfuckers. I know, shit. That's right. Oh, well, like, I've still been able to find carts pretty regularly. Yeah, likewise. So I've been okay. I haven't been without. Yeah, I haven't been without. That's Maybe sure. flour, maybe pre-rolls, but that's about it. I mean, honestly... Like, I've been way less without than I thought I was. Like, <laughs> I had put all my shit away because I had an apartment inspection a couple weeks ago, and I was pulling some shit back out the other day, and I realized that I still have just, like, probably, like, a 
two gram blob of hash oh, just like geez. chilling in a fucking <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> just a container like oh shit i still got some hash oh yeah whenever you're ready daddy <laughs> all right all right i guess with that our normal reminder go check out the patreon patreon.com slash fried squirms even at the lowest level of one dollar a month you could have got this last week if you would have got this last week, it probably would have actually lined up a little bit better with Valentine's Day because we're not timing it for normal people. We're timing it for everyone else. <laughs> so if you're wondering why it's super fucking late in the month and you're hearing a Valentine's Day episode, it's because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, at the lowest level, you could have got this last week. At the highest level, we have a Discord, all that good shit, and... Like anything extra that we do, you'll be able to get it. We haven't started doing much extra yet, but we have plans coming up very soon in the works. So we'll also get better at like updating the Patreon because I've also been shit at doing that. (laughs) That's right, man. We're still working on things. With that being said, I suppose we should get to the guts and bolts. Do we have anything else? I don't have anything else. No. Okay, good. Guts and bolts. My bloody Valentine. Let's do it. Guts and Bolts. Alright, Guts and Bolts. My Bloody Valentine. Not My Bloody Valentine 3D. Ain't none of the Supernatural boys in this one. Nope, but guess what? Hmm. It's also a band. Ain't the band. <laughs> That's true. I was, gonna, I was gonna get there. I was gonna get there. Ain't the band. My Bloody Valentine. Guts and Bolts. Who and what went in the making of this flick? Start us off. Spoiler... F- oh, and it's we're gonna be spoiler-free in this section. And to start that off, spoiler-free setup, in a mining town with a dark, deadly past that came with a warning, they're daring to throw another Valentine's Day dance. But will the bodies rack up again? Mm, I like it, dude. So, of course, from week to week, we like to talk about the cast and crew of the films. And this week, we want to lead off with our director, and that gentleman is George Mahalka. And... If you look back on his catalog, he was known for some kind of like raunchy humor, kind of X-rated films and not necessarily mm. pornographic per se, you know, kind of toe the line. Okay. Right. So with that being said, he's known for the films Pick Up Summer, Eternal Evil. He did two episodes of The Hitchhiker. Now, that was a show I used to watch as a kid. I did look it up. And those two episodes, for those who are curious, are Spinning Wheel and Phantom Zone, both from the same year, 1989. He's also known for Relative Fear and Faith, Fraud, and Minimum Wage. The writers on this are Stephen A. Miller. Now, he actually came up with the concept. And John Baird, he is known for uh, the film's Happy Birthday to Me, which he actually went uncredited for. It's another one of those 80s slasher films. He's also known for the film Baker County, USA, and North Beach and Rawhide. Right. Our cinematographer on this is Rodney Gibbons. He's known for the films Pick Up Summer, The Amityville Curse. Ooh, that's not a good one. Um, he's also <laughs> known for Scanners 2, The New Order, the film Stalked, Relative Fear, and the film Screamers. All right, we have two editors on this. We have Gerald Devancier. They're known for Evil Judgment and an episode or two of Ray Bradbury Theater from 1986. And Rit Wallace is actually a person we've talked about before back on episode 117. We had Donnie on when we reviewed The Gate. Gate. Okay. Yeah. Now, a few other films of note. Rit's known for the film Scandale. Also known for the film The Surrogate. 
The Boy in Blue. Now, I was curious about that one because it actually has like a hyperlink on Wikipedia. And that usually lets you know it's like something of significance. So I looked it up. It's a Nicolas Cage film from 1986. Ooh. It's about scullying. For those who are familiar, it's like rowing. Mm, <laughs> Single okay. man rowing. <laughs> I think Scully is the name of the actual like quote-unquote boat, I guess mm, you don't mm. call it that, whatever the rig. But uh, this is a little nerdy shit. It's known, and the person that he portrays in the film is known for using the slide seat for like the first time for rowing. Oh, shit. Okay. So I guess it's like of some significance. Anyway, he's also known for the films Nowhere to Hide and Iron Eagle 2 for fans of that series. All right, we have music by Paul Smoking on that Zaza. <laughs> yeah, his last name is Zaza. I was like, damn, that's a coincidence. Now, this gentleman's actually got some really cool credits. Now, he won the Genie Award. Now, keep in mind, Genie Awards are kind of like the equivalent to like Oscar Awards here in the United States, but they're okay. the Canadian equivalent. But he did win the Best Music Score alongside Carl Zitterer in their work for uh, Murder by Decree, right, which came out in 1979. Uh, later on that year, they teamed up again for the film Prom Night, which is a pretty significant oh, horror film and franchise, which... I'll start naming off here in a little bit. Now, along with that, they're known for receiving another Genie nomination for the Best Original Song alongside Peter Simpson for the film Bullies, which is funny because in contrast, the year before that, 1986, they were nominated for the Razzie Award <laughs> for <laughs> Worst Musical Score for the film Turk 182, right? Now, here's something that blew my mind because I used to watch this shit as a kid. Makes sense, Nickelodeon... This was unbeknownst to me in the 80s, but in the 80s, they used to pick up, like, Canadian shows. Like, you can't say that on television. Okay. And in another one in particular was Mr. Wizard's World. Right, right, right. This dude composed the theme music for that. That's nuts. I'm like, damn, that's some childhood shit right there. See, I thought you were going to say when you used to watch uh, Flesh Gordon meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders. I don't want to talk about that, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, here's some other cool films of note, just a few. The film Porky's from 1981, A Christmas Story from 1983. Okay. All right. Meatballs Part 3, Summer Job, Prom Night 2. Yeah, that one is Hello, Mary Lou. Actually, my sister Ashley is a real big fan of that one. She used to watch a lot. They're also known for Prom Night Part 3. You've already mentioned Flesh Gordon. The film Popcorn from 1991. That's actually a pretty decent film. It has Robert England in it. Mm. Also, Prom Night Baby Part Geniuses. 4. Yeah, Baby Geniuses. Iron Eagle Part 4. They made an Iron Eagle Part 4. Yeah, hell yeah, they did. <laughs> Told you, this is a franchise, son. <laughs> All right, moving forward. We have producers John Dunning, Andre Link, and Stephen Miller. Production companies on this were Canadian Film Development Corporation and Famous Players, along with Secret Films. This was distributed by Paramount Pictures back in 1981, both here in the United States and in Canada for their theatrical releases. Had a release date on February 11th, 1981 here in the States and February 13th, 1981 in Canada. It had a budget right at $2.3 million, and it grossed $5.7 million worldwide. And there's quite a few taglines, but the one I pulled is actually from the poster. And it says, there's more than one way to lose your heart. Fuck yeah. So leading off with that, (laughs) moving into our cast, I'm going to lead off with Paul Kelman, plays the role of Tom Jesse, TJ Hanniger. Now this gentleman, he's known for the films Caged Men, Another one of those people, now keep in mind this is a lot of Canadian actors, mainly because this is a Canadian production, right? 
So he's also a part of that Littlest Hobo television series I keep bringing oh, up. Okay. He made an appearance back in 1980. He was also in the so film. So he wasn't the Littlest Hobo? No, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that you've mentioned that before. I forget every time. Well, you know, it, Hobo has implications. Yeah. And Littlest has also implications. <laughs> it's like a little person. Not quite. <laughs> I, and uh, the film, another really interesting like metal horror crossover film, Black Roses. Mm, he was in okay. that film. All right. We have Lori Hollier. She plays the role of Sarah Mercer. I know a few films I note from her. She was in the film Warning Sign, Night of the Twisters, My Name is Tenino, Monte Walsh. She was also part of that Santa Barbara television series back in the night. Late 80s, early 90s, I keep bringing up, which is weird. And she was also part of the Hitchhiker television series back in 1990. Mm. I think she did an episode in that. All right, we have Neil Affleck plays the role of Axel Palmer. Did you see what this cat normally does? This guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's acted a little bit, but I think he, uh, he, did a sh- he does a shit ton of animation. Yeah, I was like, well, uh, wait till you start seeing these other people's credits. Including, he animated 52 episodes of The Simpsons. If I'm not mistaken, I think – look him up. I mean I can edit this, but I want to say Rocco's Modern Life as well. I think you're right. I'm almost positive you're correct. But yeah, between 94 and 2007, he animated 52 episodes of The Simpsons and directed seven of them. I did read, yeah, that one of these people – and that's, this is the guy yeah, that's mostly doing directing credits these days. Yeah, in animation, which is really cool. Yeah, he was also in Scanners. He was like, um, he went on credit tip. He's like, yeah, Yeah. I was like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I saw that as well, which makes sense because, once again, it's a Canadian production. See, 11 episodes of Rugrats. Yeah. Yeah, he's on Nickelodeon. Once again, makes sense. Yeah, nine episodes of Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, same guy then. Five episodes of The Critic. That's awesome, dude. What a body of work. It stinks. (laughs) It stinks. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good, dude. All right, so Neil... Outside of those dragging credits, we already mentioned that he was in Scanners. He was also in the film Wild Thing and the film Sandman, 24-Hour Diner. All right. We have Don Franks. He plays a role of Chief Jake Newby. Now, here are some really cool credits here. Now, he was in the animated films. Now, he voiced some characters in Heavy Metal and Rock oh. and Roll. No, Rock and Roll, if you go to look for that film, <laughs> good luck finding one that's not under 100 bucks on eBay. Now, Unearth actually put that one out, and it is out of print. That's why it has that price tag. But a few other things of note, he was in The Big Town. Now, here's some really cool shit about him. I already mentioned the animation stuff. Now, check out his animation voiceover credits. Now, this is not an animation, but he was the voice of Boba Fett in the Star Wars holiday special from 1978. No shit. Right? Now, this is where it started blowing my fucking peanut head. Wait, wait. (laughs) I want to point out, this is kind of neat. Because he's one of the, the more memorable characters in heavy metal. Because so he's Grimaldi, who's the one that has the Lochnar in the beginning and gives it to his daughter, and you see it's him melt in the wild, beginning. dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, this guy, he's known for some really cool stuff. Now, like I said, this is the one that kind of really blew my mind as a kid. He voiced a couple of different characters for Inspector Gadget. The main one being the voice of Dr. Claw. <laughs> what? What the fuck? <laughs> now, here's some other cool things. If you ever watched some of the animated Star Wars, like Ewoks or droids back in the 80s, mm. he voiced Boba Fett once again, Kaibo Ren, things like that. 
He was Anton Arcane for five episodes of Swamp Thing in 1991. Swamp Thing. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. 17 episodes, he voiced Sabretooth, Graydon Creed Sr., Puck, Shaman, Phalanx, Sabretooth, oh, and, and the, the X-Men. Yeah, animated the series 90s. from the 90s, which is the boss <laughs> one. He was Walter and La Femme Nikita for 96 episodes as well. Some video game work, mostly the X-Men as Sabretooth back in 96, 2000, 2001, which is some pretty cool stuff there. So I did want to bring him up as well for those credits alone. Now, his nickname, which is really cool, people called him Iron Buffalo. Mm. All right, moving forward, we have Cynthia Dale. She plays the role of Patty. She's like one of the several younger people who's a part of that party group in the okay. film. Now, a few things of note from her. She was in the film Heavenly Bodies. She was also part of the film The Boy in Blue. She was in the Cher movie from 1987, I believe, with Nick Cage, Moonstruck. Mm. Yeah, she was also a part of the television series Street Legal from 1988 through 94, and then she made her reappearance in 2018. All right, we have Alf Humphreys who plays the role of Howard Landers. He's kind of like the goofball dude in the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so he's got really an extensive body of work, but uh, just a few things of note from him. He was in the 1985 film Honeymoon. You might have seen him in the 1993 film Ernest Rides Again. He was in the 1995 film Rumble in the Bronx. He was in the Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold film Big Bully. Hmm. Yeah. He was also in National Lampoon's Golf Punks. He was in Final Destination 2 as Mr. Gibbons. He was in X2 as William Drake. He was in The Perfect Score. You might have seen him in John Tucker Must Die. He was also Mr. Jefferson in a part of those Diary of a Wimp Kid films, which also includes Roderick Rules and Dog Days. So some really cool little films of note there. We have Keith Knight. He plays the role of Hollis. He's the big bearded guy. Right, right. He's the one who has, he's like the boyfriend of Patty, so that's who that is. I thought for sure I recognized him for some he looks but I went, through, I went through his filmography and I'm like, nope. Nope. No, this is... Just wait. (laughs) This is awesome. All right, so Keith Knight. Some people might recognize him because he was in Meatballs, so I'm sure you'll see him in that. He was also in the film Gas in Class of 1984. Now, those are cool, but here's where it gets interesting to me. Now, he started doing a lot of voice acting, Mm. and his credits include The Care Bearers Adventure in Wonderland, which is a movie. Then he was also part of the television series back in 1998. He also voiced several characters in Babar from 1989 through 91. He was also part of Beetlejuice, the television animated series from 1990 through 91. And this one really, you talk about hitting a freaking note for me, is Busy World of Richard Scarry, the television oh. animated series from 93 to uh, 97. I used to have a bunch of those books when I was a kid. I'll tell you what, if you have a kid that has ADHD or whatever, Give them that book or her that book or whomever that book. It'll keep them busy. <laughs> See, I'm bummed. This the Care Bears movie he was in was one of the ones I didn't have. Okay, there was what like three animated Care Bears yeah, movies in the, that time period. The one that I'm more familiar with is the one with the carnival in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one. I think I'm the one a little bit more familiar with the one where they're at summer camp. I mm. want to say, man, that's been so long. <laughs> All right. We have Patricia Hamilton plays the role of Mabel Osborne. She runs the laundromat. 
All right. Now, okay. she was in the film The Last Polka. Now, I did a little research on this. This one has Eugene Levy and John Candy, and it was one of the first, if not possibly the first, mockumentary st- – well, I can't say that. That's not true. It was one of the first mockumentary-style films because before that, I, I still think – Oh, fucking – this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, so I was like – I still think this is Spinal Tap was a little bit before that. All right, but anyway, she was also a part of the Anne of Green Gables, which also cl- included Anne of Avonlea series – and she made an appearance in Friday the 13th, the television series back in 1987. It's really cool. All right, now here's somebody we've actually talked about before because she makes one of her first appearances in film, and that is Helene Udi, plays the role of Sylvia. She was Katie Bird in the film Katie Bird, a certifiable crazy person. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I wish how I were. How did I miss that that was fucking Katie Bird? I know, dude. It's so wild. I was like, I do remember. Because now as soon as you said it, it makes sense. Oh, without a doubt. You can hear her voice. Yeah. There's a, there's one scene, I mean, we'll get to in particular. I was like, oh, that was uh, undoubtedly her. Holy shit. It was Katie Bird. Yeah, so there you go. All right, now just a few films of note from her. She was a part of that film, Pickup Summer. She was also in the film The Incubus back in 1981. She was in some television series. I mean, some really cool stuff like Cagney and Lacey, kind of one-offs, The Twilight Zone, Children of the Night, stuff like that. Look, not that I did, I didn't dislike Katie Bird, but good on her for being in a oh. fucking classic as well at some point in her career. Yeah, I mean, like, you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> now, some people might recognize her because she played Myra Bing, in the Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman television series mm. for like 73 episodes from 93 through 97, which is really cool. Man, I feel like I should remember more of that show because my mom and my grandma used to my watch My grandma used time. to watch that and Picket Fences. And Touched by an Angel. I don't know. My grandma might have snuck that one in when I was looking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now she was also part of Terror Tales, the segment Epidemic. Some people might have seen her in Swamp Freak. She was in Amityville Clown House. Uh, about that one she was in house of demons she was also in fight night which is a tv miniseries man she's been a, a ton of stuff i'll be here all day she's got a ton of shit in post-production she's filming a lot of stuff so good on her good job Eileen. all right we have larry reynolds plays the role of mayor hanniger now a few things of note from him he was in the film welcome to blood city he was also in the littlest hobo Back in 1979 mm. in the uh, Silent Witness episode. He was also in the film Virus the End. Some people might have seen him in the film Kill Zone. He was also in an episode of Friday the 13th, the series. That episode was The Poison Pen. Some people might have recognized him as Tom Kensington in War of the Worlds television series back in 1989 through 90. Um, he was in Maniac Mansion television series, which is kind of neat. I know something we <laughs> brought up before. Wild. Yeah, I know, right? He was Judge Burton in Street Legal. From 89 through 93. Now, here's a film I'm so glad because I don't get to bring it up often on this show. But when I do, not necessarily on the show, but when I get to bring it up, it's worth noting. Because that film is PCU. And you want to talk about a who's who in the 90s of like before they really, really got famous. Jeremy Piven. You've got John Favreau. David Spade. Jessica Walter. Just tons of people. Uh, George Clinton makes an appearance in there. But anyway, there's, there's so many people in that film. It's a good movie. Really good comedy. And uh, one other thing of note from him, he was in Kung Fu The Legend Continues as Dr. Franks for two episodes, mm. which is really neat. Okay. We have just a few other people of note. I've got Jock Van Evra. He was happy, or the guy who plays the bartender, 
more specifically in this film. Oh, okay. All right, a few things of note from him. He was in King of the Grizzlies. He did make an appearance in Black Christmas, the 1974 version, but he was just like one of the people that helped in the search party. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All right, he was also in the film Plague. He made two appearances in the Littlest Hobo television series, one in 78 and one in 1981. He was in the film The Incubus and also Deadly Eyes. And last but not least, I have... Peter Cowper plays the role of Harry Warden. The only other film to note from him, he was in Oh, Heavenly Dog. So that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. Oh, Heavenly Dog. I have no idea. You know what? This part might go in better because we're talking about all the technical who and what went in the making of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should point out that if you watch more any of the modern cuts, anything after basically the Lionsgate 2009 DVD, <laughs> portions of this movie look way underfinished but that's because they got added back in wow. later because they had to cut this movie to shit you to release lying. it the first time you never lie <laughs> yeah the mpaa really went after this film which may i mean it doesn't make sense but it does make sense considering the time period john lennon yeah. you know john lennon had just gotten assassinated i got i mean what's the difference between killed and assassinated is it only because he was important? I suppose. I don't know. It was a hit. <laughs> oh, well, that, that implies I mean, some things. That's right? almost like telling on yourself. <laughs> right? But apparently there was like a lot of hubbub about that. I don't know. I wasn't alive at the time. Well, I was in the womb. <laughs> or, or almost in the womb. You were in the balls. <laughs> I was. I was warming up. <laughs> yeah, they apparently they cut this to shit. I don't know how anybody would have liked this movie from the theatrical cut from when I noticed the cuts were happening in this flick. We'll talk more about that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But, but any of that past, yeah, it's like when you're watching the uh, the uncut Dead Alive. Good point. You know what scenes got added back in because <laughs> oh, yeah. it looks like it came out of a fucking VCR. Oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but any of the previous releases didn't like i think there was a 2002 dvd release back mm. when paramount still had it that makes sense and they refused to do any extra features at that, that time sucks. because paramount was like our old horror catalog isn't worth shit yeah they weren't really pleased with the returns on this one apparently that was kind of their thought across the board with when they were starting to release their fucking their horror backlog and shit was they were just like yeah, whatever. We're just going to release this on DVD. Yeah, who cares? Nobody wants extra shit on this. These were all fucking horseshit movies. Yeah, they were like, these were just one-offs. And then when Lionsgate got the rights and they were going to go to release it, they were going to release those uncut bits just as extras. But some of the hardcore fans from back in the day knew that they existed already because they had been released as stills in, I think, Fangoria way back in that, the day? That would make sense. That sounds about right. So it was already known that it existed and it got cut to shit to begin with. Then they found out about this, like, oh, you're going to throw it on as extras? Just cut it back into the fucking movie. Yeah, don't be dumbasses. Don't be dumb. Yeah. I think the DVD, when it first released in 09, it had an option to watch them mm. either cut in or cut out. But even if you chose cut out, like 30 seconds of extra still got cut back in. That's cool. Because I, I can't remember. It's something like three minutes of extra footage total or just under that. But even if it's anything from the 2009 on, even if you clicked the without like 30 seconds got added back in, it doesn't matter. Mean, yeah. I don't know which 30 seconds, but regardless, that's 30 mm -hmm. seconds. You didn't get to see with theatrical cut. That being said, 
it's still not all the footage. Yeah, that's a good point. Some of it had degraded too much. They weren't able to restore it and cut it back in. So there's uh, one kill in particular that the director knows that they shot. Just don't have any. But it just doesn't. Footage. It just doesn't survive. So this is, I believe, in the words of the director, eighty percent of the vision, but ninety-five percent of the impact. Okay. A lot of the other things weren't kills and stuff. It was just extra dialogue. And that's all right. That's okay. All right. So warnings. <laughs> it's a eighty slasher. Yeah, it's a slasher. So it's a super early slasher. So you don't yeah. have like, well, I don't know, nudity for no reason. That hadn't really crept in yet. That's a solid point, yeah. Not not quite yet. You don't have all the weird, like, final girl stereotypes and, like, punishing people for not being virgins and shit. It's not some weird morality <laughs> play. No. It's just a, it's a slasher movie, so a guy's gonna go around and kill people. And hopefully yeah. you're watching the non-theatrical cut, because <laughs> then warnings, there's a good bit of gore and fucking violence Holy in this movie. Holy moly, yeah, are you missing out if you're not... <laughs> Yeah, that's a big bad I, I, I mean, we'll talk about some of the cuts because, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's obvious where they're made. But <laughs> Well, if you get to see them and you haven't seen them before, hold on. Yeah, it'll... It can jolt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but that's basically, I mean, blood, yeah, blood I mean, and your, violence. Your basic stuff, yeah, blood violence. Some, I mean, some alcohol use and shit like that. You know, Alcohol use, there's... Barely even any cussing, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Canadian. They're relatively polite. There's a couple slightly thing. crude jokes and shit, but, but it's... it's I, yeah, it's 80s. It's, it's more yeah. hinting than anything. I agree. I agree. So I guess with that being said, let's get into how my bloody Valentine made us squeal. <laughs> how does that make you squeal? All right, my bloody Valentine. First things first. Any history with the movie? No, coincidentally enough, I've known about this film for a very, very long time. Just never got around to watching it. And it was one of those not very long ago, within the last year or so, I kind of started watching it, but then, you know, got side-skirted for whatever fucking reason, never got back around to it until this weekend. So this is actually like my first kind of foray into this film. Mm. I know I watched it once back when the remake came out. And when, like, the Lionsgate DVD dropped and shit, so 2009. I remember two things. <laughs> the kill in the beginning. Okay. And fucking what TJ's wearing for, like, the last third of the movie. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. There that was all I could have fucking told you about. The, and I kind of knew the basics, like, killer minor and shit. But I think that was more through cultural osmosis than anything else. That makes sense. So it was practically like watching it for the first time once I got past <laughs> the first, like, three minutes. Like, oh, shit. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I don't remember any of this. Did I fall fucking asleep while I was watching it? What did I do? Dude, that's kind of the beauty of rewatching films and then rediscovering things like that. Like, oh, shit. Memory unlocked. <laughs> Holy shit, this is a good slasher, dude. It's a lot better, especially, I think, the second time around for me. Mm. And I was I'll, having I'll a harder time paying attention the second time around because it's pretty basic yeah i mean the story itself exactly it's pretty basic i mean you kind of know everything once you go through it the first time the second time for me once again it's you know analyzing things seeing where i missed mm -hmm. shit that was going on and then i'm like oh this is so that's kind of the beauty of what we do that's the thing. i was having a hard time paying attention oh you didn't mean i was <laughs> disliking it no no, no i know what you're saying for me there were certain things i knew i needed well need, not needed to but it's like um 
a little bit like last week when we did Lake Mungo is like looking for Waldo. We know it's there. We didn't know it at first, mm-hmm. but it's there. And the second time through, it was like, oh, God damn, it's a little bit more obvious now. Shit. Like, I kind of wish this is another one of those ones I wish I wouldn't have slept on for so long. Oh, likewise. I wish I would have had a chance to, like, recommend this to people. You know, though, you, you brought up a good point, too, with the release. Now, imagine, if you will, had we had not seen this film prior to this weekend... And oh, we like, got, had like, we only seen the theatrical release? Hey, yes, exactly. We would have had probably different opinions That's about true. this film. That's true. So I think for the benefit of us and probably our listeners is that we did get to see the cuts added back in. I mean, not seeing it in my childhood, that's fine. Yeah. I probably should have seen it at some point in, like, the 2010s That's kind of, man, I feel the same way. Maybe even for me, like... Early 2000s, mid-2000s on. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, no, nah, it's just slept on it. Anyway, that's fine, though. It, it's not being slept on anymore. Oh, no, no, It's definitely in, in our atmosphere, hemisphere. I'm about this movie. One of the things, I kind of ended up going on, like, a little bit of a wiki walk earlier today about other flicks that do this, because this is definitely not the only one that does it. But it's, like, we think, especially with, like, slasher movies there's very specific tropes and stuff that are associated with slasher movies and like we were kind of pointing out during like the warnings this doesn't follow a lot of your standard slasher tropes and that's because it came out in what 81 yeah 81 so halloween was what 78 yeah 78 the year prior was friday Friday the 13th. 13th so that was really i mean i think the prowler i'm not sure where that falls in line somewhere in there I think this was. I think this was in like competition with the Prowler. In okay, the box it's office. like there was only a few. That's what I'm getting at. Is like there wasn't very many, and even those weren't really popular either. So, like from a modern perspective, this film kind of seems like it's intentionally staying away from tropes at times, but it's not. Those tropes weren't invented yet. I know that's solid. It was just it? in exploring the idea of. This is what slasher movies are. Yeah. And it seems it seems like sometimes it's trying to stay away from those tropes. And it seems like sometimes it's reveling in the fact that it's a fucking stupid slasher. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't bother to make any of these characters any. I mean, the old there's only two serious characters in this movie. Yeah, arguably. And uh, yeah, everyone else is playing like it's a Canadian comedy. It's solid. That's solid, but especially most of those minors. That's a solid point, bud. (laughs) Hey, I can't argue with that. So, I don't know. It feels weirdly modern by not feeling like what we associate with those old school slashers, but it's just that none of that had become a thing. Yeah, which is really interesting, too, because it it does feel still organic in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's, it does, it might not know that it's, it's toying around with that tropish kind of territory hence because it hasn't really been established at that point they weren't tropes yet right it's just playing with the idea but the things that Mm -hmm. followed in its footpath this was like the uh, one of the proto templates i suppose if you will Mm -hmm. you know go heading into the 80s with slashers and stuff so yeah i mean this is a unique spin on that you know fuck the kills are cool they're really cool there's oh when you brought up friday the 13th that's the other thing that it's never been proven, but it's theorized why this movie was cut so bad was because they had gotten a lot of shit about Friday the 13th when it was released. Oh, makes sense. Like and probably like fallout from fucking Halloween. I'm sure oh, people yeah. were still shitting themselves. Well, yeah, that's coming off like the whole... 
and possession that's what period the too. Before. Yeah, it's like if if that kind of shit wasn't bad enough, now you got fucking people slashing teenagers and stuff at camps, and I mean there was probably like a lot of panic set in around the time period with these movies, man. And look at the upping of the game for mainstream slashers, as far as kills go, from dude Friday the Thirteenth the year before to yeah, this. Yeah, man, that's a that's quite a leap because. These are fucking gnarly. <laughs> right, dude? I was like, I didn't know about the history of them cutting back in the footage yeah, and all that likewise. shit. I was just sitting there for a minute wondering, why did this suddenly turn potato quality? Yeah, who's filming all of its potato? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm glad they are, but... <laughs> right? But then I was like, oh, shit, that pic just went through her. It's like, yeah, that's why, that's why. That makes sense. Not, it's just starting to make more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, this is a dumb slasher, though. There's... Ah, oh, man... There's the pros and cons. In the beginning. There's pros and cons. Nobody cares. No, no one even brings that up. Well, it does. He brings doesn't. it up. Right. All right. He, he all right, brings right. up the fact that he's killed so many people. Here's here's something I, I think that's interesting about this film. And this is where I was getting at with being able to go through it a second time. Oh, yeah. His first time through, I just assumed it was who they've always assumed it was. And that was a Harry Ward guy or whatever the fuck. Oh, Harry Warden. Yeah. yeah. I kind of assumed that too. You know, I was like, oh, he's just down there. But. There was a minute where I'm like, oh, it's the guy that ends up setting the, the prank. Yeah, I can see that, too. So I kept that in mind. And then there was a second thing about this. So I just want to hone on this for a second. Although I will say I remembered who it was in the remake. Yeah, and that's a little bit more. But in this instance, I'm like, oh, okay. So they're kind of setting up the sexy time. You know, mm-hmm. like even though, once again, it wasn't a trope at the time. It was more playing off the backbone of those sophomoric comedies and stuff right. and Absolutely. that was that would you could tell that was these guys background makes total sense so that's what i was thinking i was like okay so they're introducing this like sexy kind of stuff but we never quite get to <laughs> the good like the full-on boobs <laughs> no you just get to see nice cleavage and i'm like all right one thing first if this was real even if i were a killer that's not why i'm ending this <laughs> unrealistic <laughs> all right and uh, second thing is, like, I, I like how, I don't know if red herring is the right term for it, but there are some things that kind of make you think, okay, perhaps it's this person, perhaps it's that person. Okay. You know, so it, yeah, yeah. it kind of does that a little bit with this film. And this is a good way of setting it up because I just assumed it was the fucking guy the whole time, like said, Harry Warden. All right. So that's, yeah, that first so death is, kicks it off. Kicks it off. Badass death. Yeah. Solid. Solid. Solid fucking effects. Well, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> That's how we're starting it. In retrospect, it's her fucking heart tattoo that set him off, right? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, he got triggered. Otherwise, like, he was oh. going He was going for it. Yeah. That's definitely Axel, right? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Second time through, without a doubt. It's 100% <laughs> Axel. Because I, I was like, why would this, you know, this, this attractive gal be down there with this dude you would assume is probably in his, I don't know, fuck... 40s, 50s, whatever the fuck. It's like, that doesn't quite add up. But Axel's a pretty good-looking chap. That makes more sense. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, If anything, (laughs) he was a little bit out of her league. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) You know, good on on her. Good on her. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we got our first kill out of the way. And from there, you know, we get the introduction to the miners and all that fun stuff. And, yeah, it plays itself more like a comedy at that point. 
like a Dude, porkies and shit like that. When they're like rushing out to get on all their shit and they're That's fucking so... with fucking Hollis and stuff and they fucking leave homeboy down in the fucking mine yeah. and have to walk back up and I was like I will I will say this even though it's silly as fuck it's how much still, does that it establishes so much though it really does not not only that but you don't necessarily see that style of like comedy in a sense like from the from that no. time period like just very slapsticky mm-hmm. you know it definitely tells its age and the time period it came from is kind of what I'm getting at as well but that's something I like it's a little bit more nostalgic what was uh homie's name that they left down there howard so howard had to go up the ladder yeah <laughs> yep this film does a good job of setting up some things in the very beginning yes first off it establishes you can get up and down without using the trolley carts that's important when you're it, it using spaces certain like shots. This shit. yeah it, it shows the clothes being hung up and that comes to play later on mm-hmm. in the film it shows certain things in this film it frames certain things that you don't really Think of, but it, it has a purpose. And we don't know everything's exact location to each other, mm-hmm. but we know that there's only this many rooms. They're in yeah. this space. Then there's this shaft. It goes down. There's two ways in. One's yeah. the cart. One's this. <laughs> exactly. And that shit all becomes important when you're dealing with people getting chased in an enclosed space. you damn right. Remake of Inside. <laughs> you to fuck me. Yeah, no shit, right? That was that all about. As soon as she gets outside, god damn it. Anyway, I was yeah, thinking about yeah, that earlier know, this week. I don't, I don't know, know why. Fucking, fucking piss me off. Again. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does a really good job of that. And that's something, that, once again, I am going to probably use this refrain it quite a bit, but this second time through really helped. Like recognizing that this film was a lot more clever than I thought it was the first time around. Yeah. Dude, even some of the jokes I missed the first time around, to be honest. Like, I didn't notice them fucking making fun of Stavinsky being hung and not using it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do anything besides hurl it over your shoulder and burp it? Yeah. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's some fucked up jokes in those, man. But it's, it's like I said, it's that time period. It's It wasn't uh, very PC, if you want to call it that, but... Whatever, man. People were having a good time. This is a fucking joke. You know? That's all it was. Um, on, like, from the get-go, by the way, I'm going to point this out. Like, I think of everybody in this movie, Hollis is probably my favorite character. Dude, he's Hollis awesome. is a fucking man. Yeah, he, he's awesome. I was, I was thinking at I'm first. so pissed he dies. I was like, man, he's got a cute little gal there. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? As the movie plays along, it's like, yeah, I mean, he well-deserved. Yeah. He's, he's solid most dude. level-headed. Yeah. Fucking funny as shit. Just that he'd probably be a hoot to hang around with. Yeah. Hollis was cool. Yeah, he was. Honestly, like, this movie played TJ and Axel being enemies who were former friends better than a lot of other movies that, yeah. that I've seen. They were... Like, you could tell that they wanted to still try to like each that's other. That's what I was saying. They they still were trying to patch things, even though, you know... They were still being caught. shitheads. Right. But that's more realistic. Yeah. Like, Especially some... when they start drinking. Yeah, exactly. It's like this film has some moments where it does have some authenticity to it, even though, yeah, it's a film and it's in most cases, it's not really believable. But for the sake of the film, you know, at least it does that well. Also, in that early part, there's another kill that's set up really quickly. Did you catch it? 
super quickly when they're in the, when they're in the union hall. Everybody's sort of getting ready for the party. Um, let me think. Um, there's some hearts and shit playing around with, but I'm not sure in particular. When John runs into his old lady. Sylvia? Yeah. He picks her up? Yeah. He picks her up yeah, yeah, by yeah. the head? Well, first thing first. Yeah, the yeah. first time through, I was like, who the fuck picks up their girlfriend by the <laughs> head like that? Who is okay with that? Right. But, yes, that's perfect. But it's, it's super foreshadow. fucking quick, too. It's a you foreshadow. You could blink and miss that shit. That's another one of those things. I said, that is something the second time through that makes a lot more fucking sense because they are setting these things up, even though we're not conscientious of it at this time you know or aware of it or like i said for me i was like who the fuck picks her girlfriend up by the head like that fucking i didn't want patty to die but as soon as she said we're talking about foreshadowing as soon as she's like i might not get out of there alive with this new dress she had a pretty good line about her dress she's <laughs> like it's cut down to here already like up to here. hey it slid up to here <laughs> yeah and then she's like i'm gonna get out alive uh, yeah all right we'll get into some of this stuff like, fuck i know now she's dead it's like, oh, you guys are motherfuckers speaking this shit into existence. Because that's it. one that I noticed the first time. Like, yeah. I don't have to wait for the second time around. I've watched enough slashers. Yeah. Like, Some of these <sighs> things. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Like, we have experience with these and we're starting to catch these things. It's like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this is good. Well, and it especially sucks when you like those characters. Yeah. Patty was great. She was funny, too. Well, of course. You know, all these characters were they seem like some solid people that you mm-hmm. would probably want to hang out with. You know, there's some drama, yeah, but they resolve it. So, yeah. All right. Um, what do we get? We get pretty much the the whole establishing thing with, you know, the town's getting ready in preparation. You've already mentioned this. Uh, it's been 20 years since they've actually had a Valentine's party at the Union mm-hmm. Hall and all that stuff. Now, they keep alluding to this incident that happened. And when we do learn about it, it does come at the bar because that dude brings it up happy. The bartender, he starts... Like, he has these sayings about the 14th. Like, who the fuck just comes up with these sayings, man? <laughs> fuck, I, I was going to write those down, and I fucking forgot them. I didn't, write his, I didn't write his down, I don't think. I wrote down the first... I wrote down uh, what the card said. The From the Heart Comes a Warning. Yeah, yeah, I got all those. I thought that was dope as shit. Turns out, uh, something I noticed <laughs> about myself while I was watching this movie... If your movie killer has a fucking rhyme associated with him, <laughs> it turns out I like him more that way. Yeah, I mean, like I dug this. Creative. Yeah, I dug this, and it had all these fucking cheesy Valentine's Day card <laughs> rhymes in it. And then it made me think of like, this is the tale of Jimmy Bones. I know, dude. <laughs> One, two, Freddy's coming tale. for you. <laughs> it's like the adult version of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Even um, <laughs> even the fucking witch, right? When they're yeah. doing the fucking Black Phillip song in the background. Mm-hmm. The fucking Black Phillip crown upon his head or whatever. like It's perfect. It fits all that stuff. Whenever you throw in a little fucking song <laughs> or a fucking nursery tale rhyme, turns out it gets me hard. <laughs> <laughs> gets me solid. Yeah, well, you've already kind of mentioned it, alluded to it as well. So along the way, like you were saying, they have the group has the meetup after their... Uh, money party at the bar mm-hmm. and then they meet the gals and all that stuff right and what happens is at the union hall the mayor i believe it is gets a box of chocolates because howard's one is like hey somebody dropped this off didn't say who it was because he's pulling that fucking gag with the gore and all that stuff yeah yeah and sheriff whatever the fuck he is the officer newbie he and the mayor are driving off to whatever the fuck they're doing and he opens the box of chocolate and that's where they find the girl's heart from earlier 
mm-hmm. the one from the mine. And then that's where the card he finds and what it says. Gives him the warning, you know, remember what happened on the 14th as it draws near. But the, From the, the heart comes a warning oh filled with bloody good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. Dude, that is solid. The line after fucking almost killed me. It was the way that the mayor acted out his line. He's like, it can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. <laughs> like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> it's just the way he, he delivered. It was so just deadpan. Like, oh, God. <laughs> so silly. But the second part of that, too, is when they make that U-turn. I don't know. Those fucking dogs they had in those films, they were a little reckless. <laughs> those dogs are reckless. Because that one dog was chasing after the Suburban. Okay, yeah. And then a little bit later on in the film, one of those dogs was going after the officer. And he's like, he basically telling it to fuck off. The others seemed a little bit more, shit. yeah, the others seemed a little bit more restrained. There was one dog that just, so you, you need to watch that one. That's fucking funny. Yeah, so I, I did notice that. Anyway, that's what kind of kicks this movie really off. I mean, aside from the opening murder scene, but when the mayor finds that heart and he's like, oh, sh- fuck, <laughs> this note's pretty much letting us know. But the whole time, they just, they're assuming it's that guy, Harry Warden, you know, and they just kind of go by that. Here's another thing. The police aren't incompetent in this movie. They respond in a pretty good manner. Yeah. Once shit starts going bad, like the only thing they shittily do is cover up that Mabel's death was a murder. Yeah. And but I by can that understand point, why they did that. By that point, though, they've already like, they've shut down the dance. Yeah. They're having all the fucking decorations ripped down. They jaws that shit real quick when they held true to it. They fucking, they have patrols out and about and shit. <laughs> It's not their fault that they didn't know a fucking party was going on in the morning. No, that was on the sly. Did the bartender stories and shit and the way that all play out sort of give you Halloween kills vibes? It, it does a couple of things. Like It gives me that Ahab kind mm, of character. Mm-hmm. But then when I was talking about, if you want to call it that, the red herring, you'd be like, oh, this guy knows a little too much. Right. You know, it's like, why does he keep is bringing he this make up? make it happen? You know, but what's what's his what's his it? hand in this? You know, it kind of makes you think that a little bit, or p- perhaps mm-hmm. you know. So I was like, ah, that's one of those things that's just throwing him out there to give you some expo and to maybe th- make you think he has something to do with this shit because he knows a little too much, a little bit, a little bit. But but no, it, I don't it's know. They too did early have me. For that. They did have me for a second with him. But then... I, well, he gets yeah. whacked, and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's definitely not him. <laughs> he gets whacked. Here's another good thing on this movie. They start the kills pretty early and just keep yeah, them at a do. decently constant pace throughout. Yeah, so the, I've got the, all the kills right now, which okay. for me it helped, you know, like, make this film flow a little bit easier. So the first one, Woman in the Mind. Second one, if you well, second and third ones, if you want to call it that, is in the flashback sequence where mm. Happy, bartender is telling the story of what happened with the miners, that whole incident that happened 20 years prior. So for those who need a history lesson... It's it, Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's Friday the 13th. There's five miners down in the mine. Two supervisors are supposed to wait on those guys to get out so that way everybody can go to the party. While the supervisors were a little too anxious and left. And those miners wound up fucking getting exploding basically and sealed themselves in and i can't remember how long it took but out of the five one survived because he resorted to cannibalism mm-hmm. happened to be harry warden they put him in i guess a mental hospital or whatever 
and let him out a year later. He went after the supervisors, killed them. And that's that. And that's why they have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They ripped out their hearts, put them in the uh, chocolate boxes that were at the dance Mm -hmm. as a warning. So every year he shows up on the 14th to make sure no one has a fucking party. Except he got captured and thrown in a fucking psych asylum. Right, right, right. right. And this is the 20th anniversary of all that shit. And they're like, okay, now we can fucking do it. (laughs) It's been 20 years. Yeah, because fuck him. (laughs) You know? He's uh, old now. (laughs) Yeah, he's old. Fuck him. So that's what they're rolling with. And that's the whole premise. He's got that black lung anyway. Yeah, so the the first three deaths are the woman, the two supervisors, Mm -hmm. and the flashback. The fourth one is, and this is where it kind of gets a little interesting with what's happening in the film because it they're when I say they're the group from the union hall the miners and their girlfriends they're at the bar partying but then there was a cut where Mabel's at the laundromat and this mm-hmm. makes sense because earlier Howard and some of the I guess other people fucked up some of her because she dropped some stuff on the way in so she had yeah. to redo them that's why she's at the laundromat she's washing whatever she gets a box of chocolates because someone leaves it in there the quote unquote somebody when she comes back to, it has a note in there, which I did write down what the fuck that note says. And her note says, roses are red, violets are blue, one is dead, and so are you. And when she looks up, it's who we would think maybe Harry Warden, right? Yeah. I mean, it's spoilers about Axel, but we just assume for this, <laughs> for the, the sake, it's Harry. Does that work? Where's Axel supposed to be at that point? Well, that's kind of getting at with the cuts, because I was still assuming that everybody's at the bar partying whatever right and this is why i said with the the cuts at this point becomes a little tricky because this is what we get we get her death scene she gets pickaxed the next cut is the dudes fucking making the little beanie weenies or whatever the fuck they're making on the engine yeah yeah (laughs) you know so they're like the junkyard or whatever the hell they're hanging out are they waiting on him well well here's the thing that's interesting because axel's in one of the cars playing his harmonica Oh. And that's when TJ arrives with the mm-hmm. whiskey bottle and tells him to scooch over. And they're having a little outs with about Sarah. Mm-hmm. So that's when, like, huh, that's where they throw the curveball with TJ, too, a little bit. Right, because he's been that, away. He's he been comes away. back. It just so happens to coincide with the deaths now. He's being all moody and shit. Yeah, he's being a little weird. <laughs> you know, he's being a little unruly down at the mines because he didn't want to be down there. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. They, they, Give you a little bit of that, too, with him, because he's kind of a wild card. I never really thought it was him, to be honest. I didn't either, but I'm just saying, if you've never seen this mm-hmm. and you're not familiar with this... That's because I was mostly with you. I'm like, how did Harry Warden come back? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. The cuts at this point make it a little more, a little bit more murky, but it's still interesting, because I think there was enough time for, you know, Axel to leave the party, take care mm-hmm. of her... Go back, meet those guys, give them enough time because he might have left early to do all that shit to begin with. He's known for kind of sneaking off anyway. And I'll bring that up again. (laughs) Right? So that's our fourth death, Mabel. Now, the officer newbie, he goes and finds her body, which is fucking gruesome, dude. But at first I was like, I can clearly see the blood (laughs) from any (laughs) angle you're looking at. But the thing that catches his attention is the smell. Right. Yeah, and then he finds her, and it's, oh my god damn, that's fucked up. So from what I could tell, in the theatrical, you only got him opening it up, right? Yeah, I think so. His her, reaction's like her, pretty good. Her initial falling out, you see like a split second of that. <laughs> and then like, everything we can't after that is shit. <laughs> yeah, Whew, that, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it made me think, it's like, how the fuck did he get her in there like that? 
It's a movie. <laughs> oh, well. I'll take it. It looked I don't good. Care. Yeah. Yeah, I don't she care. She's all they look fucked good. up from the fucking dryer and shit. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the mayor gets called down. You're right. They kind of cover up her death. There's like, you know, we got to take her off back. But they a find heart attack. A, they find a card. Right. You know, and he's like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> so that's what did this one say. Um. Okay, so this one it says it happened once, it happened twice. Cancel a dance or it happened thrice. Uh, that was the one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, uh, yeah, we got to shut it down. That's when the mayor was like, yeah, we got to yep. take all this shit down. We're, but here's something too, also that caught my eye, and I think this is probably what caught the officer's eye too. I didn't piece it together the first time, but definitely the second time. Is this is a fucking clever thing about this film? Is in the flashbacks. Well, a little bit later on. Let me hold up. The officer finds an upside down heart, like a little cut out heart, right? And I'm like, okay, that could mean any fucking thing, right? But he, he finds more than one. There's a couple mm. in the laundromat. That that plays a little bit an interesting thing in a flashback. A little bit. I'll bring that up in a little bit. So anyway, just keep that in mind. All right. This fast forwards, you know, the miners' girlfriends find out about it, they cancel it, whatever. That's when they decide, hey, we can still throw a party at TJ's dad's mine because he's the one who brings it up. Yeah, you know, he's like, yo, my dad owns a mine. Like, we can't be doing that. Like, again, yeah, again. So yeah, party's still on. All right, so fast forwarding a little bit. Everybody's at the party. We get another death and this is where I said this is if you're paying attention a little bit to Axel there's a couple of tells in this and this is the one that's really interesting when they're all hanging out mm -hmm. Dave he's kind of like a, a clean cut decent looking guy yeah. he goes in to get, he's got the munchies he wants to get, get some hot dogs right before that Axel gets up to leave Sarah and Hollis and, and Patty oh uh, okay alright and it it's just like not a big deal he's just got to piss or whatever he's got to do that gives oh, him enough yeah. time to slip off to, off Dave. And I was like, man, if you're not paying attention, you don't know that. It's just a mere coincidence. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> that gave him enough time to take care of him, right? Come back in, start messing around with Sarah. Look, him offing Dave, I'm not going to lie, just kind of made me hungry. And like, kind of like reminisce about back in the day and shit. Like, there's a lot of the, I mean, not this movie, because like I said, I didn't watch it till whenever, yeah. 2009. But, like, back in the day, like, elementary school and shit, like, I've mentioned it before. Some of my, uh, like, earlier fucking horror movie watching is with my boy Angus, and we'd fucking boil some hot dogs. Oh, dude, yeah. Boil hot dogs are the jam, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, like, slip mine. Mm, put yeah, my yeah, fixings yeah. in there. Boom, it's good to go. But, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's another nostalgic thing. I was just thinking, man, how fucked up is it that that's the way you go is getting drowned in some hot dog water, <laughs> right? Oh, dude, ain't nothing. Well, okay, no, there's more discussion. There's worse, hot but, dog water, but something just. I'm like, that is something's not good about hot dog fuck. water, bro. That's some, yeah, that's some crazy shit. Um, I did want to mention this. I, I did skip the death. Happy, his death was fucking gnarly because mm. he's trying to set up a prank. He's like, I'll get those fucking kids, right? Oh yeah, and that's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's definitely not him. Cause uh, he his death is fucking sick. He gets it the pickaxe through his Dude. lower jaw up through his eye socket. That looked so. And then gets drug out and good. I was like, man, what the fuck? Why they cut that? <laughs> I mean, I know why they cut it, but it looked so good. Dude, dude. Yeah, dude. I I was about that shit. What the fuck? I <laughs> look really good. Yeah. So then then Dave's death. There's one of the kills coming up that's probably a little bit more famous, but I think that was my favorite of the That movie. was arguably my favorite one. All right. Hollis 
Patty and Sarah, Howard, who's the goofball, yeah. and then Mike and Harriet. Now, Harriet is the bartender, redhead girl from earlier, because they sing that song about her being the virgin and shit. Yeah. All right. They all go song. down. They yeah, <laughs> they all go down in the mine. And I, I kind of made note of this. It's like there's six people who are going down in the mine. Okay. Five of them don't make it out. One does in that initial group. Right. Right. It's like, I don't know if that was a mere coincidence. They're playing with like the five that go down, five don't make it this time mm. around. Oh, right, right. You know, I don't know. I'm just, I was like, maybe I'm just trying to read into this too much. But anyhow, I just didn't think it was too, I think it was too, it was too coincidental is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, that leads to some other shit, right? Because this is where I'm like, man, this, this shit gets, to me, there was a what the fuck moment for me. I had an epiphany about this film. Okay. All right, and this is what I mean by that. All right, while that little group is down in the mine, Harriet and Mike split off because they want to hook up. But then there was a cut because who is it? Uh, Dave and Sylvia, or John, excuse me, John and Sylvia, they're also off like making out. Yeah. He wants to. He goes to go get some some beer because mm-hmm. she wants to get some beer. And that's where you see Dave in the cooler or whatever the refrigerator. Yeah. You know, and he just kind of walks by because those girls find the fucking heart in the hot dog water, right? So th- this is what I mean, man. This is where it starts to get fucking tricky. <laughs> All right, so Sylvia gets off while John is gone. And Sylvia is Helene Udi, who is Katie Bird. Yes. Right? And she has probably the most famous death right. in this fucking movie. Right, It's good. It's gnarly. I think the ice picks a little bit better, I but I too. understand why it's so yeah, iconic. It's a little bit more iconic, and I understand that too for the same reasons. But yeah, she gets lifted up because we already mentioned it. They set up some things about the shower scenes, the clothing, mm-hmm. all that stuff because she gets picked up and impaled onto a shower head through the back of her skull and out her fucking mouth and stuff. And then he turns on the fucking the water system, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, it's fucked up. John comes down there, freaks him out. Then the girl Gretchen, who Howard was hitting on earlier, he's like, you know what looked good on you? Me. Yeah. <laughs> that gal. She's freaking out because she found fucking Dave in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is where I said, this is where the what the fuck, if you're really paying attention moment, where who was the one who tells everybody to get out, to leave the party? It's Axel. Okay. He's like, everybody, get the fuck out. <laughs> right? And he does. So what that does is it isolates him and TJ. And TJ and he come up with a plan to go down there because Harry Warden's down there to go save that party. Mm-hmm. But in reality, Axel's a fucking killer the whole time. He's setting it up the whole time. This is too perfect for him. Well, and I feel like it's when they go down to be the big damn heroes that the movie really tries to throw the suspicion at TJ a lot more. Yes. Because he comes up with a plan for them to split up looking for him. And they're that's they're looking on two at, different yeah. floors, trying to find them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're playing these like little interesting like who is it? Who's doing it? Is it really Harry down there? Is it one of these guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I was like, oh shit. Yeah, and it's like I, I that's cool. I, that's kind of clever. I get it. But that's where to me I was like, man, they even did like the yeah, let's team up, let's go down there. And Axel's like, you stupid son of a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> you dumb bastard. <laughs> that's what I was like, man. This that's actually. That's sinister as fuck, dude. Because he knew. He's the one who killed Dave. He's the one who killed Sylvia. He's got them freaking out, panicking. So that's a perfect kind of, you know, cover for him. Mm-hmm. Pick them off down on the fucking mine and come out. I'm like, I, I made it. I survived. Well, it, to be honest, it almost works out 
to keep up the confusion of who the killer is in the film's favor that the stab them with the fucking screw didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> because Axel would have been the only one on that floor at the time. That's wild. But we don't see them die. Mm-mm. So it's like, oh, you know, when that's, did that's this good. happen? That's good. That's solid. Yeah, that's that's something in the cuts, too. Like, they they never added back in. They had it, but they never added that back well, in. Well, that was part that I was think, lost, degraded. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And I think that was something that was talked about. Yeah, that was something I read about, too. That's interesting. But, yeah, you're right. Um, it when always that works out to add into the mystery, though. Like, so when did they get killed? Was it before these guys came down the shaft, even? Mm-hmm. Was Harry already down there? Well, it, as competent as they are, I can tell you this. They are not good with crime scenes. Those dudes at the laundromat were fucking up that crime yeah, scene bad. Yeah, and you know record keeping ain't worth a fuck back then either. So yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> that was already established. But you're right. I don't think they would have got that timeline right regardless. Mm-hmm. Not not back then. Sorry. Sorry. So anyway, all right. Speeding up a little bit, we get – these are how I wrote the deaths down once – Sylvia's killed. You get Mike and Harriet because they're the ones that get discovered by Hollis. Is there only one true jump scare in this movie? Hmm. Possibly. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Because the only one I can think of is Oh, when he comes out on them? Yeah. 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 Let's see. Yeah, he pops out on them. Yeah, that's that's a decent one. That's a decent one. Which... That works. That's an in-universe jump scare too. He's trying to fuck with them. So oh well, like, yeah. It actually like it makes sense. It's funny. It doesn't actually affect the plot in any no. way. That's a good jump scare. It leads to the tension too that mm-hmm. they're feeling down there. Yeah. So it, I like it. But yeah, you're right. That's arguably the only jump scare you get. Mm-hmm. It's good. So I don't know. Like I said, with the timeline, but in terms of how you see the deaths, at least. Mike and Harriet, the couple who were making out, they get the drill in the back. So they're the next two victims. Then that's when Hollis, our dude of the hour, he gets the fucking nail gun in the head. Yep. Right? That's when Patty becomes a little bit of a fucking annoying character. Now, granted, her character is going through trauma right now. Yes. Right? And But I'm like, you got to cut this I can't shit out. It's like, we got to get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here. Sorry, we got to move. So I get it on one hand, but it's a movie. But on the second hand, like, you won't get left behind. You keep <laughs> this dumb shit up. Anyway, that's what happens. So the second death <laughs> after that. We get uh, like five minute foreshadowing <laughs> of like fucking Axel getting TJ in the stomach as he comes around the corner to yeah, set up yeah. fucking Patty getting it like five minutes later. It's Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Actually, a little bit before Hollis is when everybody's climbing mm-hmm. up is Howard. His body drops. That was dope. That was pretty fucked up. They're like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. <laughs> don't look at him. Got <laughs> to. Sorry. Well, and that's another one where, like, five minutes earlier, not that's even. What's up? Yeah. He's almost. He almost forgets his blanket after he does that. I heard something. Jump scare. Yeah, I heard something. And Hans like, oh come on, you'd forget your head if it wasn't tied on with a rope. I'm saying the writing in this is actually pretty clever, you know, but. That's what happens. That's why Hollis breaks up with the group is because he leaves Howard with the girls. He's going to look for Harry and Mike. That's when he finds their body. Mm-hmm. That's when he gets offed. He crawls out. The girls find him because Howard's fucking stupid. He's already fucked off. 
So it's those two girls in motion. They bump into, I guess, apparently down the road, they bump back into the guys, right? Mm-hmm. Axel and TJ, that is, because they're, you know, they came back down. And uh, that little group is moving around. They split up. And that's another little clever device that our boy Axel uses because it looks like he drowned. <laughs> like he yeah. got. He got attacked. He drowned. He's 60 foot. Fuck that dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry. So it splits those girls up with TJ now, right? Yes. All right. As the girls are kind of making their way back down, you've already mentioned it. Patty gets off. She gets the fucking pickaxe in the stomach. Like, oh, great. Which, that was kind of a letdown after the other cool deaths in the movie. I know. It's just like, wham, wham. But, I mean, it was set up earlier. You mm-hmm. already mentioned it. Okay, whatever. This is kind of weird for me. kind of gets a little goofy. Is the whole, all right, we've isolated Axel, even though we still don't know it's Axel. I mean, we do, but we don't. With TJ and Sarah, right? Oh, I and know what you're talking about. And they're just swinging. It's kind of silly. Yo, so- and then the cart chase is even more silly. In case we ever do something similar in the future, I would like, I mean, in case we never do something similar in the future, I would like to revise my listicle to horror movie villains I think I could beat. Oh, dude, no shit. Because all I have to do is out-fucking-whack Axel. That was, that was it. That was it. That's it? That was that was it, bro. And he's kind of fucking raged out and just swinging wildly anyway. That was so silly. I mean, I get it because they weren't trying to hurt anybody, but. And like not that fast because oh it's a God. big ass heavy pickaxe. Yeah. Like if you make him swing like 20 times, that boy is fucking tired. He's gassed. His stamina is blown. I mean, you can argue he's a professional miner, but like he's already been chasing him all fucking night. Yeah. He, he, pro- he put it probably like a, t- a 10 hour shift in earlier that day. He's been tying one he's on. He's gassed. Yeah, he's he's been killing people a fucking day. <laughs> he's tired. So, yeah, he seemed like an easy pick, if you will. <laughs> but I was like, man, this shit's getting a little too silly for me. And then to, to cap it all off, right? But I kind of like this. It made me wonder a little bit was the reveal. You know, oh, shit, it is Axel. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he has that flashback before he gets, you know, harmed. <laughs> If you will, because it shows a flashback of him as a kid see, watching his dad get murdered. Right. Right. Blood splat. And then he's underneath the bed and whatever. I was like, oh, that's interesting because that's very similar to Dexter's origin story. Right. Bathed in blood. The only difference here is that Axel's going and taking revenge on people who are celebrating Valentine's Day. He's not like picking people off who are villains who get off. Because of the justice system. Spoiler if you haven't seen Dexter. But it's like, that's an interesting concept. I wonder if that's even something that was Jeff Lindsay, the author of Dexter, mm-hmm. if he was even aware of the similarities in that. So what I was wondering, especially because the movie I'm about to bring up is obviously an homage to so many horror movies. I wonder if My Bloody Valentine is the inspiration for the way things go down with the engineer in House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. That's, and and even kind of his look. That's kind of interesting. I, yeah. Goddamn you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would make sense, dude. Totally. We got to get him on the show. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> we can dream. I could see that, though. It, maybe it's a coincidence. I don't maybe know. not. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> I mean, even look at them, right? Like, the engineer looks pretty similar to those gas yeah, masks. I mean, I'm not going to... Not completely similar, no, but... But, 
He's also um, kind of like Baney and kind of. Yeah, and that's okay. I mean, you know, you can't 100% copycat, but you can pay homage. Mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. So, big bad ending, and this is how it plays out. All right, so our boy Axel gets trapped, right? That little part that he was in collapses on him. TJ and Sarah make it out. Now, Sarah turns back around because she's got to have a little closure. She just can't, you know, why? Like, what What would make him want to do this, you know? And she goes to grab his fucking arm. Or and he 127 hours that shit what the in 27 fuck? seconds. I was like, this is good. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? He turns into, like, this super villain all of a sudden, right? Chops his shit off. It grabs her. It holds on for a second. And this motherfucker is like... He starts talking about Harry. He ain't Harry going to kill the whole fucking town. Won't have enough powder to blow it to hell or whatever. And he just runs off giggling. He giggles. This motherfucker, on top of that, the last line he says, which makes sense because it's why it's called My Bloody Valentine. He says, Sarah, be my bloody valentine. And he giggles. And then they play the ballad of Harry Warden. Mm -hmm. Closes out the film. Now, it makes me wonder, at the time, were they thinking of sequels? I think a sequel got pitched and never picked up. Well... I kind of see reading a little bit about this, and it kind of makes sense a little bit. It's because Paramount wasn't happy with the return on it. They considered it a flop. So I'm sure they had zero fucks about making a sequel. I believe the sequel that was pitched involved an amusement park Ooh. being built over top of the site of the mine. Dude, that would have been kind of fun. But that's jo- all the details Joyride? I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, here's something I can say. I do know a little bit because of the reading and the reason why they chose Valentine's Day is because they were playing a little bit with the holiday themes, Halloween, Friday the 13th. Oh, right. There's a reason why they set the film's date in modern time for that time mm-hmm. on Thursday, February the 12th and ended it on Saturday because in between is Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's not That's a coincidence. Funny. Yeah. So they were playing around with that idea. No. It makes total sense because I've already mentioned happy birthday to me. Not that it's a holiday, but it's yeah a celebration of sorts. And one I just watched within the last year and a half, two or whatever, is April Fool's Day. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So fits right in. But I, it, it's unique in a sense to what we've already alluded to, like the whole slasher tropes and all that stuff. This is mm-hmm. the proto. This is before... Fun film, another one of those Canadian films, too. I can see why it's a cult classic. Once again, I can see why they chose the cast they did when they did the remake, Canadian cast. Oh, well, no shit. It's a Canadian (laughs) film. (laughs) You know, makes sense now. I'm interested in watching the remake now. I've seen it before, but once again, I don't fucking remember shit from it. Yeah, I'm totally up for seeing the remake, knowing who's in it, things of that nature. I'll Um, for that. I don't know if we'll wait all the way till Valentine's Day, but we're not going to make this a two-week affair, though. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It was still fun, man. Like, it gave me an idea, A, what this fucking film's about. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of just, oh, it's a, a killer minor. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, it actually has some pretty good depth. The characters are fun, believable. We already mentioned we hate to see our boy go, but it had to be done. You know, so had be it. Had to be done. Yeah, but fun film. Uh, some of the scene, there was one scene in particular I, I could have done without. It just, it didn't really, it's like, what, why do you even have this in the film? It was when TJ and Sarah go out. It's like, you remember this spot? And oh, right. They're playing on that whole love bent. It's like, I, that that whole scene was kind of dumb. <laughs> you know, it's just playing into the love tryst. I, I understand that. Whatever. Oh, and second thing I didn't want to bring up too. All right. Yeah. We're really going to fucking unravel this story to begin with. 
how did nobody in this entire fucking town, let alone the mine, not make the association with Axel and the supervisor, his dad, who got fucking killed? Oh, Come yeah. on. <laughs> that should be pretty obvious. Yeah. It's like, wasn't that your dad? Wasn't that? Oh, okay. They just kind of like ignored that whole fucking aspect of the film. Yeah, you would think somebody would have at least mentioned it when they told the story of Dude, what went down. It was TJ's dad's mine. Yeah. You would think he would know some information. Hell, they're friends. Mm-hmm. You would at least think that. Or at least his dad would probably bring this up. Hey, that's, you know. But no, they, it's never even mentioned. Because uh, <laughs> while we were fucking getting a little bit more stoned before we started in on this segment, what did you think of Take Your Pick? <laughs> the fucking Ice Nine Kills song based on this movie. Dude, that was actually, that was fun, man. The lyrics are fun, right? Yeah. Like, there's some good references and some fun wordplay. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it goes hard, man. <laughs> like, there's some growls in it. It was fun. I, I like that because what well, it's an homage. It's still relevant. People are having fun with it in music. So, yeah, dude. Corpse Grinder. Goddamn. <laughs> that dude has a fucking throat. Yeah. Got a neck. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> So much neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good on him. But, yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. Like I said, not revisiting, but visiting this film and being acquainted with it and not get to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Fuck, we don't know next week, do we? No, we're kind of back at that. <sighs> we were really good there for a minute. I know, that's okay. That's okay. Um, we know in a couple weeks. I can say this. I can say this. For a few weeks. I can't guarantee 100%. Okay. But I can almost guarantee with certainty that we won't be going after a ghost film. Right. Maybe Supernatural Bent. Uh, films with minors. <laughs> yeah, films with minors. Uh, coincidentally, Canadian films. <laughs> I love you Canadians, but we got to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to mix it up some. We have to go talk about that. I don't have much else to say on my yeah. bloody Valentine, though, other than, like I said, happy Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, treat yourself even if you're celebrating alone. If it seems super late in the month, consider signing up for our Patreon. Then it would have been more on time. Yeah, then it'll be a menage a trois with you, me, and Tyler. <laughs> for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.